Welcome to part three of Mary's story. I couldn't stop crying, but now my tears were ones of relief and a heady sense of elation. I clumsily held the slippery baby that Tabitha lifted swiftly onto my bare chest, so afraid that I would drop him. My body shook all over with exhaustion and adrenaline. My mother was still supporting me, though, in both body and spirit, and I felt her tears on the side of my face as she leaned out to embrace me and my baby. My baby. Oh, how he wailed, his tiny red face scrunched up in a scream as he gulped in his first breaths of air. I ran my fingers over his wispy, wet hair, wiping a smear of blood off his forehead with my thumb. Hello, little son. I gulped softly, willing myself to stop crying. Welcome to the world. My breath caught as he turned his face upward towards the sound of my voice, and a laugh bubbled out of my lips. Did you see that? I exclaimed, shifting my body so I could turn to see my mother. She smiled down at me, smoothing my damp, frizzy hair out of my face. I did. He knows your voice. She kissed me on the temple. I shifted him in my still quivering arms and he broke out crying again. Shh, 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 little one, I soothed, moving him into a cradle position. Then I burst out laughing again. He sounds like a baby goat. As if on cue, a nanny goat bleated in response and everyone in the room laughed. Suddenly, I groaned as another pang pulsed over my body. Oh, I thought it was over. It will be soon, Mary, Tabitha said. You still have to deliver the afterbirth. She rose from her squatted position in front of my legs and crouched by my side, gently turning the baby's head towards my breast. He may latch. See if he will nurse. It will help bring on the afterbirth. I was still shaking badly, but my mother helped me support the baby's head and position his mouth close to my breast. Then she gently tickled the side of his mouth with her finger, and to my amazement, he turned towards her touch, opened wide, and latched onto my nipple. How did you... I exclaimed, my gaze swiveling from the baby to my mother, then back, then back again. Just a little trick I learned when you were a baby, she smiled and shifted her body out from behind me. And you sounded like a baby goat when you were born, too, she said again with a twinkle in her eye as she placed a firm cushion behind my back so I could recline slightly. The pains continued to come every few minutes, and while they were very uncomfortable, they were not nearly as painful as they had been. Plus, I was distracted from the pain in the best way possible. As my baby boy continued to suckle, I felt the urge to push again and easily deliver the afterbirth, sighing with relief at how light and free I felt when it was all over. Everything looks perfect, Mary, Tabitha said, laying a fresh towel under my hips. Then she reached for the baby, who was now asleep, his head pillowed on my breast. May I? I'll cut the cord and swaddle him up for you. She expertly lifted the baby, cradling his head and bottom with her large, strong hands. My mother brought a warm basin of water over, and she and Ruth washed me with gentle hands. Shauna and Eliana carried the bloody cloths to a large pot of hot water to start soaking the stains out. My mother helped me dress in a soft wool robe and placed another clean towel under my hips. Then she told Ruth, All right, you can let him in now. I looked up as Joseph rushed through the front door, quickly crossing the room and knelt down beside me. You're all right. You're safe, he said, anxiety creasing his face. Yes, I'm fine. I smiled and I caught my breath as he cut my face and kissed me full on the lips. Heat flooded my face as he pulled away, his thumb tracing my cheek 
to my chin. My blush deepened as I glanced around the room and saw my mother, Ruth, and Tabitha exchanging glances and knowing smiles, but I couldn't stop smiling either. Would you like to meet your son? Tabitha asked, the now swaddled babe tucked in the crook of her arm. I watched as in an extraordinary look of wonder, awe, and a tiny bit of fear dawned on Joseph's face as he looked at the baby, and something new, too. He looked down at me, an unasked question in his eye. Am I his? Is he mine? I gave him a watery smile and nodded. He is. You were chosen, too, remember? Then, with all the awkwardness that marks a first-time father, Joseph took the baby in his arms, gazing down at his sleeping face. He has hair, he exclaimed, tenderly stroking the baby's head. The babe's hair, now dry, sprung up straight in the air when it was released from Joseph's fingers. I nodded, unable to speak, my heart overflowing as I gazed at my husband and son. What, what is, has my mother cleared her throat softly, what is his name? My gaze shifted rapidly between my mother and Joseph, and all the pain and confusion and awkwardness of our estrangement over the last long months filled the space between us. She should already know his name, I thought, grief biting into my soul. She should know, but she doesn't. Joseph smiled kindly, though. His name is Jesus. Jesus, she repeated, smiling in return. A good, strong name. Mama, how did you know? I mean, how did you find? I blurted out. My voice trailed off in confusion. She and Joseph exchanged glances, and there was a long pause. Finally, Joseph said, I found her, Mary. It took me a while because I didn't know where your parents were staying, but he shrugged. It all worked out. He looked at my mother and then raised his eyebrows slightly, as if asking her a question. The long, awkward pause reigned again. Then my mother broke the silence, her voice quivering with emotion. Yes, I did. I'm so glad I was here, Mary. I am too, I replied, but her response left me wanting. There was so much that I wished her to say, to confess, to apologize for, but even as I waited, she said nothing more. Let me check your bleeding, Mary, Tabitha said, filling the uncomfortable silence. She knelt down beside me, lifting the robe from my knees and then frowned slightly, her lips pursed. You're bleeding a bit more than I'd like to see at this point. I need to massage your belly to try to get the womb to clamp down. Here, lay back a bit. I cried out as her firm hands went to work. The pain and pressure were almost as bad as one of my worst contractions. Tears spilled out of my clenched eyelids. My entrance into motherhood was filled with so much pain. When would it end? Then I felt warm hands grasp my clenched fists and loosen my fingers until my mother and Joseph were holding both my hands tightly. I was so tired. I just wanted to rest. All done for now, Mary, the midwife said, though I need to do it again in about 15 minutes. I groaned. Try to rest now, dear. I was so exhausted that I actually fell asleep, though I was rudely awakened to another massage from Tabitha. I'm sorry, I really am, she murmured as I moaned loudly through her menstruations. Almost done. There. Yes, I think one more time will be good. Your bleeding is lightening up now. Finally, after one more round of painful womb kneading from Tabitha, I was able to rest. I felt a heavy blanket being laid on my aching body right before I fell into a deep sleep. Suddenly, I was jolted awake by a knock at the door. 
My eyes flew open and I caught a glimpse of Joseph's shocked face. It was well after midnight. Who on earth would be knocking at this hour of the night? Ruth and her daughters were missing. I suppose they had gone to bed. Tabitha and my mother were also dozing by the fire. The knock came again, uh, this time a bit louder. Joseph and I exchanged shrugs and he moved to open the door. Wait, I said in a panic whisper. Where's the baby? Oh, Joseph smiled slightly, pointing. I just laid him right there. I didn't want to drop him if I fell asleep. My eyes and mouth popped open as I brought myself up on my elbows to better see what I hoped I was not seeing. You put him in the manger? Even as I watched, a goat stole a strand of hay from underneath my baby's head. Joseph looked stricken, holding his hands out in front of him in supplication. I'm sorry. He's really happy, see? He's asleep, not a peep. Everyone was exhausted, especially you. I wanted you to get some rest. Joseph! He shrugged helplessly, a guilty grimace on his face, and then turned to open the door. I pushed myself up as much as my aching body would allow, craning my neck to see who was at the door. It must be some sort of emergency. Then Joseph opened the door wider and three men entered the room. The brisk breeze that accompanied them stirred my mother and Tabitha from their sleep. Joseph, my mother murmured, is everything all right? Um, my husband began, glancing hastily from the men to my mother and then back to the men. The men were not looking at him, though. They were looking at the baby who, oh heavens, was lying in that horrible manger. They gripped each other by the shoulders, pressed their hands to the sides of their heads, and began laughing and speaking so loudly I thought they would wake the whole house. Mama, please, I said quickly, can you bring me the baby? My mother snatched up my small little child after glaring at Joseph and swiftly scolding him for not waking her to hold her grandchild and laid him in my arms. Then she turned and faced the obviously disturbed strangers who continued to laugh and wipe their eyes and say things like, It's all true! Thank God, a manger! Glory be! Joseph, she said sharply, her arms crossed tightly across her chest. Who are these men? What is going on here? Ma'am, ma'am, we're sorry, one of the men answered, stepping forward and grasping her hand in both of his. He pumped her hand up and down a few times, a wide grin plastered on his face. But it's a miracle. What is, she demanded, pulling her hand out of his grasp. He was grimy and smelled like outdoors and livestock. Joseph, I whispered, and he was by my side in an instant. What? Just listen, he said, his eyes shiny. And then the men, shepherds, by their introduction, told us what had happened to them earlier that night. We were in the field watching over our flocks, a man with a large bushy beard began. Birth in season, you know, another shepherd with a wide blue shawl interrupted, and apparently not just for the sheep. He winked at me good-naturedly, making me blush. And suddenly, well, it, it's hard to describe, Bushy Beard continued. A skinny young lad with barely a hint of a mustache spoke up. It was a light, blinding us, see, and we were just there, blinking, our hearts racing, and then we heard this voice. Jeb here just about wet his robes. Blue shawl grinned and elbowed the skinny lab in his ribs. And you were crying out for God Almighty to preserve your sorry hide, Jeb shot back. A voice. Who was speaking? Joseph urged, his hand tight on my own. What did they say? The men paused for a moment, exchanging glances. Then Bushybeard spoke, his voice suddenly reverent. It was a man, but not. He was holy-like, shining like the sun, and he said, 
Here, he glanced at his fellow shepherds, and their faces took on a visage of sacred remembrance. He said, Do not be afraid, for I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all people. My heart began racing faster. And then he said, Today, in the city of David, that's Bethlehem, see, there has been born for you a Savior who is, who is the Messiah, the Lord. Jeb spoke up, his voice quivering and cracking slightly. Sudden tears filled my eyes, and a sense of wonder and awe, and can this be true, swept over me. I glanced at Joseph, and then at my mother, and they looked as stunned as I felt. Was it an angel? My mother whispered, and then she looked down at me on my makeshift bed, her eyes moving to my eyes, to the baby in my arms, and then back to my eyes again. Tears spilled onto her cheeks, and I saw a profound grief in her eyes. And I remembered all our arguments and the long months she had shunned me, not believing when I told her an angel had spoken to me about the very babe that lay in my arms. She sank beside me and wrapped her arms around my head. I'm sorry, she murmured into my ear as her tears wet my shoulder. I'm sorry. Forgive me, daughter. Please forgive me. Not just one, Bushy Beard exclaimed. After he spoke, the whole sky lit up. There must have been a million of them, Blue Shell interrupted. And they sang this song. Here, Jeb, sing it. Bushy Beard slapped the young man on the back, and he staggered slightly, looking sheepish. But he sang, even as his ears turned red. Glory to God in the heavenly heights. Peace to all men and women on earth who please him. And then, Bushy Beard shrugged, they all left. Joseph and I exchanged glances, our eyes wide. We both looked down at the baby at the same time. Then Joseph spoke slowly, as if trying to piece together a missing part of this incredible story. But how did you find us? Oh, Blue Shawl said loudly, slapping himself on the forehead. We forgot the most important part. The shiny man, the first one, he gave us a sign. Yeah, Jeb said, bouncing slightly on his toes. He said, he said we would find a baby lying in a manger. So, uh, Bushy Beard said, looking slightly abashed, we've been knocking on doors for the last hour, looking for a swaddled baby in a manger. A manger, I repeated, my eyebrows shooting to my hairline. A smile grew wide on my face. A manger, I repeated, looking at Joseph and shaking my head slightly. I burst out laughing, causing Jesus to give a little grunt in my arms before he settled back to sleep. My husband grinned back at me and planted a loud kiss on my forehead. Can we, Bushy Beard cleared his throat, can we see him, the babe? I glanced up and had never seen a look of long-expected hope on anyone's face as I saw on his. Yes. Allow me, my dear, my mother said, wiping her eyes delicately with the tips of her fingers. She carefully lifted the baby in her arms before she walked over to the eager shepherd, she bowed her head over his tiny form and kissed him. Her shoulders shook slightly, but when she raised her head, I saw she had a new light in her eyes. The men crowded around my mother, exchanging grins as they looked intently into my son's tiny sleeping face. Ma'am, Blue Shell said quietly, it's a lot to ask, but could I hold him? Before I could answer, Jib interrupted, only if you wash your hands. Then he glanced at my surprised face. Well, that's what my mother always says, he shrugged. 
The whole room rumbled with laughter as Tabitha produced water and a towel for the earth-encrusted shepherds. The light-hearted smiles of a few moments ago faded as I watched them hold the baby tenderly in their arms, the way they held newborn lambs, I supposed. Hello, little Messiah, Jeb said, stroking the downy sprouts of black hair. Glory be, glory be, Blue Shawl murmured gruffly, blinking his eyes rapidly. Peace to all men, Bushybeard said, grinning widely. Even us, the nobodies working nights in the fields. Oh, look, he's waking up. Jesus let out his baby groat cry and was quickly passed back to my arms. He's hungry, Mary, Tabitha said matter-of-factly. Well, we'll leave you to feed him then, Bushybeard said. The men hurried towards the door, but then Blue Shawl turned back. Can you believe it? He laughed, opened the door wide. A manger! Glory be. I heard their laughter echo into the night as they closed the door after them. Jesus latched easily and fell noisily to eating. I nudged open his little fist that rested on top of my breast and slid my thumb into his chubby hand. His fingers gripped tightly to mine and his eyes closed in contentment. Joseph came to sit beside me. He tucked his arm around me and I rested my head back on his shoulder. I felt so many things, so many things in this moment, but I couldn't put a finger on any of my emotions. I wanted to cry and laugh and sing and shout, this is crazy, and fall down and worship and sleep all at the same time. But now, in this moment, I knew I needed to simply feed my baby and rest. So I stored up all the miraculous moments that had brought my son into the world like a treasure in my heart to ponder another day. The end. Merry Christmas, everyone. Are you going through the unexpected right now, this very moment? I've been there too. In my book, Unexpected, Learning to Love Your Unpredictable Story, I delve into many of the unexpected circumstances of my life. An unexpected twin pregnancy, autism ADHD diagnosis for my sons, a devastating miscarriage, the loss of my career, dealing with depression and anxiety, being a military wife, and so much more. My book is faith-based, so it may not speak to you in your personal journey. However, I strive to be inclusive and encouraging and not preachy, and women who don't have a personal faith tradition have told me that it has encouraged them. My hope and prayer is that as you are going through this unexpected season, my story will encourage you and provide comfort and support as you bravely walk this unfamiliar path. You can find Unexpected, Learning to Love Your Unpredictable Story on Amazon in print, Kindle, and audiobook format, because if you're a busy mom like me, audiobooks may be the only way you're reading these days. This is an excerpt from my audiobook, Unexpected, Learning to Love Your Unpredictable Story. For this month, anyone who signs up to be a $3 patron on Patreon will receive a free audible download of the whole book. If you become a $5 patron, I will send you a signed hard copy of the book. Chapter 9, Transitions I don't think I do transitions very well, I told my counselor. How do I go through this military transition gracefully? After 11 years of marriage, I stopped saying no to my husband's desire to become a military officer, and we were about to leap into a completely different life. 
Yet even after I talked through my fears, expectations, and thought patterns with my counselor about my future, I still didn't have a clear, put-your-finger-on-it answer. How do you go through transitions gracefully, I asked myself. How do you accept change, even good change, when the world you are stepping into is completely unknown? I thought about other transitions I've gone through, some that nearly did me in, like becoming a mom to twin boys at the age of 23, getting an autism diagnosis for our son when he was eight, struggling with breastfeeding my fourth son, and quitting my job after I worked so hard in grad school to become a university English instructor. But this military transition has been one of the most challenging. My husband jokes that we aren't starting a new chapter in our lives. We're starting a whole new volume. Somehow, though, it's a small comfort to know that transitions are a part of what it means to be human. The only constant is change, right? There's transition in starting and ending a job. There is pain in the transformation of becoming a parent for the first time, and pain and adjustment in an empty nest. There are health transitions and wealth transitions. There is death of loved ones, pets, relationships, and dreams. I've done more stumbling than waltzing through my life transitions, fumbling in the dark for something called normal, and I think that's where I've missed the mark. I've been searching for normal. When I had my twins, the life I knew dissolved before my eyes. I spent weeks, months trying to cling to my pre-kids life, my past identity, my marriage, friendships, body image, time management, hobbies, sleep, the life as I knew it before kids. But the thing is, my pre-kids life was gone. Poof, it was no more. And the harder I tried to get back to that place, that old normal, the more frustrated, confused, and discontent I became about my life. I couldn't go back. I could only move forward. There's grief in the moving forward, in the unclenching of fingers from dreams and memories that are already slipping away. There's grief in the letting go. It's hard to say goodbye, especially to a life well-lived, a season of satisfaction, to the familiar, to what feels like home. I don't know what the future holds, but as I go through this transition, I'm clinging to faith that God still has so much good in store for me in the future, despite all of the unknowns. Embracing the grief, believing in the good, moving forward, maybe those are the keys to graceful transition. Meditation Moment When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. Isaiah 43, 2a, 18-19 Are you going through a time of transition right now? Write down three things that you are grieving over. Take some time to be sad. Write down three things that you're looking forward to in the future. Ask God to help you anticipate the good things He has planned for you. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to receive an audio version of my book or a hard copy, please visit patreon.com slash themotherhoodmetamorphosis. Regular interview episodes will be back next week. Thanks so much for supporting this show.